So this is week number four of the Word series. Are you guys enjoying this series? Man, I love this series. It is actually one of my favorites. It's one of the top of my favorite series that we have done. And uh, to all of you that are watching online, thank you for, for tuning in wherever you're coming from. And so I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. I probably should have split this up into two messages. I'm going to, I've got a lot to tell you today. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you as simply and as quickly as I can. I've got so much that I want you to see in God's word. All right, so we're going to start where we ended last week with John chapter 8, where Jesus says, if you say it all together, if you hold, put it in the chat online, if you hold to my teachings. Now, it's one thing to get it. It's something else to hang on to it long term. That's different. And because once this series is gone, we don't want to lose what we have learned in this series. Is that right? And so the whole message today is how to fall in love with the word and how to hang on to it, even after the series is over. So if it says, if you hold on to my teaching, and he says, well, actually, you guys were really the ones that are my disciples, okay? And then he gives us that challenge, all right, to hold on to it. But then um, he says that there's a miracle that's going to take place for those of us that do. He says that you will know. Now, that word know is not here, it's here. Gnosko in the Greek. It means that you hang on to it intimately. You fall in love with it. It's in your heart and not just in your head. And then it says, and so if you will know the truth, you, you'll, if you hold on to it, and then it'll go from here to here and it'll set you free. So what it's doing, it's challenging your beliefs about your marriage and your money and your, and your, your job and your family. And you change your beliefs into what God says about you instead of the, what the world says about you or what you say about you. So, it, so today, I'm going to show you how to stay in love and hold on to the word because holding on to stuff is hard. It's like even when you think about like the beginning of the year, I make a bunch of resolutions. I made a resolution to, ra- to lose a little bit of weight, and during 21 days of fasting, I lost a little bit of weight. Turns out I didn't lose it. I knew exactly where it was. I gained two pounds back. I found two pounds yesterday. It was a lot of fun, but... But that happens, though, you know? And we all know that holding on to, for instance, weight loss, that's a hard thing. And there's a lot of different things that are hard to hold on to. But today, I want to give you four things that I believe are going to help you to fall in love with God's Word and so you can hold on to it, okay? Number one is make it the foundation of your life. Now, all these things are going to be things that you have to do, okay? You have to make it foundational, meaning everything else in your life is actually built on it, the Word, so you don't see foundations, but they're actually there. And the quality of the structure is dependent on the, stru- on the foundation you build. Is that right? So the stronger your marriage, the better your foundation. Your, your money, your life, your parenting, all of that is contingent on how strong the foundation is. Okay? Now, you know that, that God's word needs to be foundational. And Jesus gives us that this is a promise. In Matthew 7, it says, everyone who hears these words and doesn't just come to church and listen to it, but starts to work it into everyday life, puts them into practice, is like a wise man. And look, I know we all want to be wise, okay? But a wise man who built his house on something solid, the rock. So the Bible actually calls itself the rock, all right? And then Jesus says, uh, so then I've got some bad news for you. Uh, and, but after, after this, I won't put it on the screen, but he, then after that, he says, when the storms come, he says the storms are coming. 
And then he says that the person who has a solid foundation doesn't fall. And I wish I could make your storm stop, but I can't. I know you come to church to be encouraged, but I want to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, your future is going to have your share of storms. Now, that's not a prophecy I'm speaking into your life. It's just the truth that Jesus said. And the truth is that a lot of Christians, we don't build our house on God's word, on the rock. And it's tempting to build it on the wrong things. So I'm going to tell you a couple of wrong things that a lot of times it's tempting to build your life on. Number one, popular culture. Not a good thing to build your life on, right? Because culture will come along and they say, oh, well, they're doing it, so everybody needs to do it. And I'm telling you that the world is becoming increasingly uh, culture-driven. But I'm telling you, culture will come and go, but the truth never changes. Okay? Don't follow all that. Because whatever, listen, whatever you spend time on infects your life. It starts to get inside of you, and you got to be careful. And there are a lot of verses that talk about this, but in Exodus, it simply says, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. So just be careful that that's not something that we're built on, all right? The second one is tradition, all right? Now, this one might surprise you a little bit, you know, because for a lot of people, you know, they really don't have their life built on truth. They have it built on tradition. And look, there's nothing wrong with tradition, but a lot of times people will hang on to a tradition at the expense of truth. So they think it's actually more important so, like, it's, that's why sometimes we get a fight with some about the way we do something as opposed to the truth itself. Now, don't change my seats. Don't change my music. Don't change any of that. Micah, don't update anything. I like brown. But there's a lot of places where churches have made that choice. They are hanging on to something that's 100 years old, but they don't have a problem letting go of the Bible, parts of the Bible. And Jesus talked about this in Mark chapter 7, and he says, You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to human traditions. So you might say, well, Micah, no, no, no. we got to have this song. The anointing comes when that song, when you sing that song. Well, here's the thing. Is it, you know, don't build your life on something that the Bible specifically never told us to do. All right? So here's another one, and this is kind of interesting for a lot of people. Look, your foundation is built on reason. Now, I'm a logical guy, okay? But this is like, let me give my opinion on it. Let me build my life on my reason. That means I've thought about it, and this is what seems right to me. And even in the church in America, it's challenge, it's, I challenge this one very strongly because, you know, it's like, well, we thought about it, and we know the Bible says this, but there are things that they've changed because it doesn't seem right anymore. So we've redefined marriage. We've redefined sexuality. We've redefined a lot of things that the Bible is not silent or unclear about. So we just say, yeah, but we just thought about it. Proverbs 16 says that there is a way that seems right. And so we look at it. Well, yeah, I mean, it just feels right. It seems right. But in the end, it'll actually kill you. It leads to death. No, we don't build stuff on reason alone because anytime there's a conflict between what seems right to you and what God's word says, don't go with you, go with God. That's what makes him God. He's smarter than you. Trust the bigger, smarter one. That seems like reason. <laughs> but here's the thing, all right? And this is the last one. For some reason, our problem is that our, prob our foundation is built on feelings a, long time, a lot of times. And this one is the most ridiculous to build your life on, okay? If it feels good, do it. Or if it feels good, it must be right, all right? Because it feels right, right? And let me be really clear. 
your feelings will lie to you. Like all the time, like all the time. All right, like today, probably, your feelings will lie to you. Now, feelings can be wonderful, but they cannot be trusted as a guide for your life. And for too many people, this is their theology. If it feels good, it must be right. And I just want to tell you, you cannot trust your feelings. If you ever trust your feelings instead of God's word, it will always end bad for you. Always. And you don't need for me to preach that to you. You just follow your feelings instead of God's truth. I'm telling you, chaos will be right around the corner for you. I promise you that. That's why I don't get nervous preaching this stuff. Because it happens all the time. You can see it. And people come back and say, oh my gosh, my life is a mess. Yeah, because you abandoned what was true for the sake of your feelings. Of course your life is a mess. Now, probably one of the most chaotic books in the Bible, if you want to read tragic stories, is the book of Judges, right? It's a period of, in Israel's history where they didn't have a king, and they didn't want God as a king either. And here's what it says in Judges 21. It says, it, this is the last verse of this very chaotic book. All right, it's got some good stories, don't get me wrong. It's got some crazy stuff in there. But it's because at the time, nobody had anybody telling them what to do. There was no king, and people did whatever they felt like doing. And man, you can read the chaos that ensued because of that. So I want us to build a foundation. And I thought the best way to test ourselves in God's word is our foundation is to ask you two simple questions. One. What do I do when I don't understand something when I read the Bible? So I open to the Bible, and I get to that, wow, I don't get that. I don't, understand, I don't understand what you're saying, God. And at that point, you've got to decide that God is true. Every man is a liar. I don't have to understand it to agree with it. Okay? Now, that's just a decision that I made. And let me explain to you why it's important. Because God's ways are higher, and he's smarter, and God's thoughts in fact, there's a verse that actually says all this. Because he's so much greater and his thoughts are better than our thoughts and his ways are better than their ways, there are going to be things that you don't understand. If everything in the book could fit in this brain, I don't want to serve it. All right? If I'm just reading and I totally understand it all, then God is the size of me. Wow. And some people are more comfortable having the size of them. I like having a God that's smarter than me. So like, I don't get that, God, but I know you're right. You can explain it to me later. And so I'm going to research it, study it. Maybe I have some questions when I get to heaven. But I don't want to trust somebody whose ways are not higher than mine. Okay? And so you are going to come across things that you don't understand. Better yet, another question. What do you do when you understand it, but you don't like it? <laughs> like, but here's the thing. You don't have to always like it. You just have to obey it because he knows more than you. Anybody raised a child? Wished you could get that into your child's head? All right? I mean, and look, we, I, I read the Bible sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's not me yet. But I don't adjust me to fit, I don't adjust the Bible to fit me. I adjust me to fit the Bible. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So I don't have to always understand it. I don't have to always like it. But I'm going to obey it. I'm going to trust God. We talked about last week, you could trust the word of God. And that is how you lay a foundation, Okay? Truth be known, until you obey the Bible, for some of you, you'll never understand it. You see, the understanding is on the other side of obedience. Like, you'll never know. And this is what's tragic, is because it's tragic for somebody to reject something that they never tried. It. I don't like it, I don't agree with it. Well, have you done it? Well, no. Well, you have no idea how much better your life would be. 
And listen, much of your Bible will not be understood until you actually obey it. All right? So I just want to challenge you this morning. Okay? So these next things, I'm going to give you a few challenges this morning. I'm going to take you deeper in this. Is that all right? About how to hold on to God's word so you can fall in love with it. Okay? Here we go. You've got to make it the first part of your day. This is very practical stuff, okay? This is my challenge to you. My job as a pastor is not just to challenge you, but I do want to make this doable, okay? So I'm going to help you make this doable. So how do I make God's word a part of my daily life and in the first part? Let's look at a verse, and then I'll show you how. Matthew 6 says this, Seek first, it's an important word, I want to speak to the first things that you do, because the first things you do is very important to God, okay? He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things. Now, the whole chapter was about, like, worry and need and in context. So we've got things that we're concerned about. We've got needs. And you're going to have all those things taken care of if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he'll take care of everything else. So you could take care of, you could look at it this way. When you focus on God, God takes care of you. All right? So I'm going to introduce a concept. Just because we have so many new Christians, and for a lot of you, maybe you're just kind of checking this out to see what you think about all this. But I'm going to give you a concept that may not honestly be a challenge for some of you who have been serving God for a long time. But I think it's a starting point, and it's doable, okay? It's called the first 15, meaning the first 15 minutes of your day. So everybody's got 15 minutes that you can give to God. And I just want to offer that you do three things in the first 15 minutes, all right? The first one is five minutes in God's Word. Five, just five minutes. Now, I read the one-year Bible, and to me, that's about 15, 20-minute read or listen on the way to work. And so if you don't know anything about it, you can go to lwc.org slash one-year-bible, and you can sign up there. It's going to give you Old Testament, New Testament, a psalm, and a proverb, all right? And so it's a balanced diet. It's about a 15-minute read. And, so, and if you can't do 15, just do five. Just do the New Testament part, okay? That's about five minutes. If you don't have five minutes, okay, just do the psalms. I don't have a minute and a half, Micah. Okay, just read one proverb, one sentence, I would rather you, seriously, I'd rather you read one sentence than nothing, okay? That one sentence, that one verse, it, it's usually what the Proverbs are, it's just one verse. And look, that could change your life better, better than nothing at all, five minutes. I would want you to do more, but I'm just asking you to try it. Put it to a test in one week, just this week. You know, I'm gonna, I listen to God's word on the way into work. Turn off Fox News, CNN, turn off all that. Let the first media not be social media, Let it be God's media. Amen? All right, I'm telling you, it will change your life if you'll do this. Why? Because here's what's going to happen is uh, Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Wow, so now I've got some wisdom for my family and my job. It's a light. It'll turn the lights on in the things where you don't know what to do. All right, so the second five minutes is spend five minutes in worship. What I'm talking about is just worshiping God. For some of you, all you have to do is just listen to it. Some of my devotional time every day is I will read the Psalms, a particular one that's praise or worship, or I'll listen to a worship song. And it's amazing how it soothes all the the potential anxiety. You know, if if I get worked up, all I got to do is I've got specific songs that, that help me bring me back into alignment. Some of you... 
had, you know, you fought on the, all the way to church today. You know, you were, your arm's sore from trying to parent from the front seat. Okay. And, and then a song this morning, you walked in and God, you are greater than all, than all. You do great things. And you felt that savage beast on the inside of you kind of calm. Okay. All right. We got it. Worship is powerful. Okay. So here's the third five minutes, the third fif- 15, which is five minutes in prayer. All right. So some of you do more than that. And for some of you, this is a stretch. And look, in five minutes, you're not going to run out of stuff to say. All right. So Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let me tell you how powerful this is. This is, it's the power, watch this. After this, this is what you want for you. And it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what I need. I don't know about you. But we can use a little peace, a little mental wellness sometimes, just five minutes of prayer and thanking God, reading the word, worship. Micah, you mean that'll change my life? If you do that every day, I guarantee you that will change your life. Just start there. If you haven't started in your walk with God yet, look, that is your first step after baptism. All right? Five, five, and five. It will change your life, I promise you. And then you can go on from there, okay? So first of all, we're going to make it foundational, right? Because we don't always understand. That's foundational. And then, number two, we're going to start something daily. In the first part of my day, I'm going to start something with God. Uh, So just 15 minutes with God. And then I want to challenge you of falling in love with God's word and holding on to it is I want you to make it grow deeper in your life. So I'm trying to help you by explaining it to you. Uh, And you might be thinking, "Ah, I'm getting a little bit deeper in my relationship with God. But look, you have to make it grow deeper. You have control over how much God and the word uh, has over you. I'll show it to you in scripture. Watch this. You have to let it, let the word of God. It wants to, but you have to let it dwell in you richly. So that means deeper and deeper. And then I want to give you a little illustration. So... What I've got here is a very hot, hot cup of water. And for some of you, this is, this is God's word, and this is your soul. This is your life. And you've got the word of God in you, but you're like a one dipper, right? You just kind of put it in there, and then you're done, right? You're only there for 30 minutes, just the 30-minute message on Sunday, and then you pull it out. And so and then next weekend, and there's change, but there's not much. And I wish my messages did more than that, but that's all they do right there. That's, that's, all, I, that's all I can do. You know, but it's not the same color anymore, right? You can't really call it tea or anything, but it does have some change in it, and it's better than nothing at all, right? But what I want to do is I want to get you dipping more. I want to get you down in there and dip a little bit more and look it out. Look, it's already starting to change more. Just another dip, just a little dip. And then we do it again, and then you do, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks in the one to your Bible, and then it just get a little, little deeper in there. It doesn't have to be long in there long, and you pull it right, right back out. See, it's already changing right before your very eyes. Imagine. And then you decide to go to a meetup or a Bible study or, or a class. And so you just get another dip and then another dip. And then listen, look, what I want to do, my goal is to get more dips in you. <laughs> Let the word of God dwell in you richly. All right? So what's going to happen? You're going to start to take on the nature of the thing that's most important to you. You're going to smell better. You're going to taste better. There's an aroma right now. 
I can smell it even right now. And this is what I so want for each and every one of us right now. So what are those dips, Micah? Well, you know what? I am so glad that you asked, everybody. <laughs> and that is a uh, couple of things. One is I want you to get a translation you like. All right? So I've had a lot of questions about translations. One person asked, like, what is up with all the translations? Like, there's 87 million. Why so many? And which one is the right one? Well, there's not necessarily a right one. And the reasons why there are translations is because the Bible wasn't written in English, everybody. It happened all over there in another country, in another language. And so your Old Testament is in the Hebrew, which was the language, you know, of the nation of Israel. And then the Greeks were, uh, were real close to Israel, but they were the ones that end up, ended up transcribing and writing out the New Testament. So it was in two different languages. Well, none of us, most of us, don't speak Hebrew or Greek. So we have to have translations. And one of the very first ones was the, the King James Version in 1611. But there's been a lot more since the King James uh, translated it. And, they, you know, and King James reads like in people that, you know, these and thous and thouts and darts and all of that stuff. You know, and everybody thinks, you know, well, they have to, when they pray, they have to speak like that because God's from England. Well, God's not from England, everybody. You don't have to do that. You know, you can speak in plain English too. But here's the thing, is that there are basically three types of translations, all right? I'm going to help you find one, okay? And we're not going to get too deep into it. But the first one is what they call a formal or an exact equivalency. And then what that means is that it was translated word for word. So they went to the original manuscript, scholars who understood those languages, they got together, they put it in English, and they did it word for word. The only problem with word for word is sometimes grammar changes over time. So we're not using the same grammar as Hebrews or Greeks, and, and 2,000 years has happened. But it is word for word, and here are some examples of formal or exact uh, translations. King James, and then the same King James version, except they turn all the yees and yows and y'alls and, and all that stuff into normal words. That's the new King James version. The normal Ameri uh, normal the, the, uh, American Standard Bible, New American Standard, and then the ESV. Next is the functional, or they call it dynamic, okay? And it's dynamic or functional because it's a little bit easier because what they did, they still translated it from the original text. They're, so there's still great translations, but they didn't do it word for word. They did it thought by thought, okay? So they looked at the whole sentence and they put it in today's grammar as well. So examples of these, New Living Translation, which I highly recommend. That's a great one for devotional reading. Uh, it's, it's very close to original text. The Good News Translation, uh, today's English version. And then the one that I use in church the most, most of our verses here are in the New International Version or the NIV. So what they did was they took the formal in NIV, they took formal and word for word or the word for word and the functional and they put it together. It has sold it all the other translations, King James included. All right. So if you like, if you like studying and easy to read at the same time, this is a great translation. Then the next one is called the paraphrase. And what they did in these Bibles is they didn't go back to the origin, original. They just said it in a way that is, is, is easier to read. In fact, the person that wrote the Living Bible, he wrote it so his kids could understand it. Okay? So these are not translations. These are paraphrases. So if you want to get your kids a Living Bible, probably. My favorite is uh, that's great for devotional reason. My favorite paraphrase uh, is message. Um, the message. 
So the message, you know, instead of, hey, I was glad when they said to me, go to the little house of the Lord, he goes, hey, man, let's go to church. So that's kind of that. So I study with the formal, I study with the functional, or I devotional with the functional, and then I, and I just read with the paraphrase. All right? So here's the next thing is get a study Bible is the next thing that I want to encourage you to do. You can do these digitally or physically, okay, so where you can study and get in. Let me give you three of my study Bibles, all right? This is where they, it has the Bible, and then in the bottom or in the margins, it has commentary to explain stuff to you, all right? So the Life Application Study Bible. All these notes are on the app that we were talking about, okay? Um, Dr. Hayford in California did the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. I use that one a lot, help you to understand New Testament theology. The other one is great for you business leaders. If you like leadership, the Maxwell Leadership Bible is absolutely amazing. It has a passage, passage of scripture and a leadership lesson attached to it. So it's great for business meetings and office meetings. And you know, when you just want to bring a leadership principle that's based upon God's word, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful study Bible. So get you a study Bible if you want to dig in deeper. All right. Here's the last one. If you're going to grow deeper, you're going to let the word of God dwell in you richly. We need to get into a meetup. I want to encourage you to do that. We just launched at the beginning of September a whole bunch of new groups of all kinds of types. And look, I want to encourage you to get into a meetup. Why, Micah? I got enough stuff to do. Because that's where you can discuss the word. And that's, in, that, that's important. A lot of this stuff will never get into you until you talk about it to other people. Life change happens in circles, not necessarily in rows. You get the knowledge in here, but when you dialogue with other people, that's when it kind of settles in your heart. Even if you're in a meetup that doesn't have a curriculum attached to it, maybe you're in a motorcycle group or whatever, there's, they always still stop and they discuss the Bible. There's a scripture. There's, there, or there are people that you can ask questions to. So just ask them questions. Ask questions about the messages on Sunday morning. Micah didn't make any sense. Can you help me with that? <laughs> right? And if you're new to our church, we have three semesters of meetups. 13 weeks in the spring, six weeks in the summer, and then 13 weeks in the fall that we just started. And that's just so that you don't have to stay in the same group all the time. Because your interest changes. Maybe you do marriage for a little while, and then you do parenting for a little while, and then you do motorcycle a little while. So um, I, want, I want to move on a little bit faster. We put all, on all of our groups online. You can see all those at lwfc.org slash meetups. So now I did a little translation dip. I little did a little study Bible dip. I did a long, uh, you know, dip on, uh, on all this stuff. And so now you're not a glass of water anymore. You're like a cup of tea. Your identity has changed. You look like the author of the Bible now. You don't just read it. You look like him. You smell like him. And this is what I want you to do is I want you to begin to look like your Savior. Okay? And that's what I want for this whole church, for all of us. I want it so badly. Because the Bible is fun to read, but it never was intended to just be read. We're supposed to take on the nature of it, the identity of God's word. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So here's the last one. And here's where Christianity, in my opinion, gets so much fun. And this is where you go beyond reading it, beyond even being in a small group, beyond studying it. Now you know it. And it becomes a weapon for the challenges of your life. What's that all about, Micah? That sounds a little militant, all right? Well, it's in God's Word. So we take this little passive kumbaya. We call it quiet time. 
The Bible doesn't call it quiet. The Bible says that you are in a war. It says that you're going to have some challenges. And you are going to, look, it's, the Bible says you're going to fall in those challenges if you don't have the weapon of God's word. All right? And I'm going to show this to you, and then we're going to pick it up next week, okay? Ephesians 6, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, I'm so sorry, it's going to come. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You're not going to be fall. You're not going to fall. You're not going to be a statistic. You're not going to be a casualty. Why? How? Well, there is only one weapon in the list in verse 17 that says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What do you mean by that, Micah? You're supposed to use the Word of God as a weapon. In fact, let's look at the message just for fun. Here's what it says. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. You can't do without it, in other words. Are you serious? Well, Jesus did. Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted three times by the devil, and all three times, Jesus said the same three words. Say it out loud. It is written every single time. Every time he quoted a verse back to him. Every single time. That means you've got to know a few verses. Memorize a few verses. The thing is, is you want to memorize scriptures for the challenges you know you're going to face. So when I face a financial challenge, I got Philippians 4.19 that says, My God will supply all of my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. I have that as a promise. Sickness tries to attach to somebody in my home. Yeah, I go to the doctor, but I also say, Bless the Lord, all my soul, who forgives all my sins and heals all our diseases. If you're lacking confidence. Look, I got in ministry at 18 years old, and I was intimidated. I'll just tell you, everybody's older than me. And I had 2 Corinthians that says, I am made competent as a minister of the new covenant, not because of the letter, because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You're confident, Micah, not because of your age, but because of Jesus lives inside of you. I read it every day. Devil, I know you're trying to intimidate me, but I'm confident. Confident. What about fear? God is my light and my salvation. And who do I fear? I've got a weapon against my enemy. You've got to have God's word going to be under attack, so you've got to have it. And so next week, we're going to pick it up there, and we're going to talk about how to affect your circumstances with the Word of God. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it. All right? Come on, everybody. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Are you enjoying this series? Love it. Love the Word of God. Powerful and effective. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are, are just just digging trenches in our souls and burying uh, just amazing Word of God, powerful things in our hearts that will be there forever. And Lord, I just thank you for your Word that is here in our lives. I thank you for your Word that has withstood generations and, and centuries and, and, and just time and attack because it is the power that brings change in our lives. So right now, I just pray, Jesus, that you are the Word of God, and we know that you live big on the inside of us. So I just pray right now. I speak right now that the eyes of our understanding is open in Jesus' name. I thank you that there is an uns uncensurable uh, or thirst for your Word. 
in Jesus' name, unquenchable, that there is something that is birthed on the inside of us today, that we know that your word is true, we know that it's life, but we also know that it's power in our mouths.